Hello, and welcome to the weekly podcast of C2 Church in Columbia, Missouri. Well, good morning, church. As we conclude our, our series, Best Year Ever, I hope it certainly has been the beginning of the best year ever for you. I'm excited that for some of you it's going to be the best year ever because you're taking that next step next week. Uh, to get water baptized. And I know there are several of you in this room and certainly in first service that are taking that next step. And I don't know if there's a greater day than Super Sunday, right? Some of you know there's a football game of some sort happening next week. But even better than that is there are people who are going to take their next step in being water baptized. And and for us at, at C2, water baptism isn't a salvation issue. We believe that you come to faith in Christ before you get water baptized. But Being water baptized is your declaration of faith, publicly declaring to all that you identify with Christ and his church, us, the body of believers. And so what a great day next week will be. If you want to wear your favorite team jersey, whether they're in the Super Bowl or not, be my guest. You can, you know, mourn your team, whatever you need to do, like me, mourning the Vikings. Either way. Well, I hope it's been a great week for you as we had our annual week of prayer this week. Uh, How many of you were able to sign up and join us for the week of prayer? Did you take some time this week? Thank you so much for doing that. I know it was meaningful for our church and meaningful for me as I participated in that as well. And uh, some of you ordered these books, Praying with Confidence. They are available at the table if you pre-ordered. We do have a few extras, so if you still want to pick it up at the $5 price, we have some of those out there this morning at uh, the table uh, on your way out, so make sure you grab that. How many of you were able to join us for our worship and prayer night last Sunday night? What a powerful time together. Wasn't it great? What a great way to launch our week of prayer and really a way to launch the new year. I thought it was a powerful moment for all of us to come together and to worship and pray together, to to learn about praise in a biblical way, and I thought it was powerful. Thank you to Kai Alpha and what you did to lead us in that uh, last week. As we've discussed, the best year ever, we f- I felt like when we were going into this that the Lord was leading us to discover the Lord's Prayer again. For some of you, the Lord's Prayer is something you've known all your life. Maybe this past month you've discovered it or rediscovered it. But as we've looked at the Lord's Prayer, we really looked at the fact that what Jesus gave us was a framework for our prayer upon which we can hang all of our desires, all of our requests upon. And this... I hope we'll set the tone for the best year ever. We, we talked about setting the atmosphere through prayer and worship this year. Would you consider, if you haven't yet, taking time out of each day, set a time for prayer and worship? Because I think it will change the atmosphere of your life, change the atmosphere of your home. As we look at this, we talked about setting the table in expectation of what God will do in his provision for us, whether it's for our daily needs, the very, very food on our table, or setting the table of expectation for what he will provide for you spiritually, for he is the bread of life, as scripture says. A couple weeks ago, we talked about being set free, that we are forgiven because of Christ And we can forgive because of Christ. And it's when we do both of those things, both receive forgiveness and extend forgiveness to those who have harmed us, who have offended us, who have hurt us, it is in that moment that we are set free. And last week we talked about setting your affections. 
The scripture in Colossians says, set your affections on the things above, that which is in heaven where God dwells, in the reality and dimensions that he dwells. And set your affections on those things, not on the things of this earth that will pass away, that are temporary, that will rust and fall apart. Set your affections on those things because our tendency is to be tempted to replace God with things and stuff and people and pleasures of this world. So we pray, Lord, don't let us be led away by our own temptations, but lead us through and past them, and don't let the evil one come against us. And today we're going to conclude by setting our sights, right? The new year is all about goals, right? Weight loss and fitness, and I'm going to start this habit and set this. But perhaps this morning you'll be led to set your goals in a different manner. It certainly doesn't hurt to set those other ones, but maybe this morning you'll look at it a little bit differently as we conclude the Lord's Prayer. And I thought this morning as we conclude, we would start by saying together the Lord's Prayer. I'm going to put it up on the screen, and maybe you know it, um, and and we're going to pray it together. So would you say it out loud with me this morning? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. That part of the scripture, that last part, which we're going to focus on this morning. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. If you actually open up your scripture right now and look at Matthew chapter 6, you may not have that in your Bible. Say what? (laughs) It's probably in your King James Version if you use that one, or it might have a little denotation and some fine print that that lists it out. But it was included in some er, some earlier translations of the Bible, including the King James. But as we discovered older and older manuscripts of the Bible, which again goes to its uh, reliability that... For so many years, it has stayed in its truest format. That It's been translated time and time again with little no, or no error. But at some point, this little phrase got added to it. And some of the earlier manuscripts don't have it. And so some translations have chose simply to denote that some manuscripts have it. Some of the earlier ones don't for, for accuracy. So this morning, we're simply going to use it as a launching point for, and the principles that come from it to reflect on the entirety of the Lord's Prayer. And so you can argue with me, Pastor Jeremy, it's not in the Bible, but the principles are. So that's where, we'll, where we will start this morning. i got to tell you that when I was a kid, uh, my friend and my then current girlfriend, we went to church with her, and she was Catholic. Don't worry, I broke up with that girl. We are no longer together. <laughs> Just for the record. So, so we go to Saturday night Mass together, and uh, I'd never been in... Uh, in a Catholic church and never gone to Mass before. And, and I was just in awe and wonder of the architecture and, 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 and the spirit in that place. And, and I didn't know a lot going on. I, think I should have asked for instructions ahead of time because I wasn't familiar with the liturgy and, and some of the traditions of our Catholic brothers and sisters. And having grown up in, in the Assemblies of God church, which my dad was the pastor of, as soon as I walked into a small town church, people go, what, what's he doing here? His dad's the pastor. Why is he at the Catholic church? So... We walk in, and unbeknownst to me, some, some uh, Catholic traditions include kneeling before you enter the, the actual 
place where you're going to sit, where the chairs are. And so I was kind of admiring things, following my girlfriend, and she stopped and kneeled, and I bumped into her as she blessed herself with the holy water. I was so sorry, and so we kind of scooted along, me and my friend, because neither of us had been through a you know, Catholic tradition before. And then she did it once again before she slid into the, to the, uh, the, the row that she was going to sit. She blessed herself one more time, and we ran into her again. I'm sorry, you know, I didn't know you should have told us. And so we slide in, and we're kind of excited but nervous because we don't really know what to expect. And, and, and I got to tell you, my, my Catholic friends had it wired. I mean, the moment that the kneelers have to drop for you to kneel in prayer, man, those things hit the, the wood floor in unison. Boom! Just, we jump, me and my friend, and, oh, we're supposed to kneel, so we kneel down. And we're following along, and it was a tremendous experience Though I did feel a little bit of fish, like a fish out of water, because as I knelt and was observing and listening, and of course I closed my eyes, and I didn't realize, me and my buddy didn't realize that everybody else had stopped kneeling, and they were trying to lift up on the kneeler, and we were like, what the, oh, okay. So we sit back down. So this guy, they did this several times, and, and the prayers went on, and finally they got to the Lord's Prayer. I can't tell you how excited I was for that. Me and my friend, we are like, we know this part, let's do this. Come on. So we stand up with everybody. And, you know, they have a greeting time, too. I didn't know they had, like, a, 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 a special greeting that they know if you're Catholic. And it's like a call and response thing. And it's something like, bless you. Or the Lord be with you and also with you. And they're like, the Lord bless you. I'm like, thank you, Anna. It's good to see you. <laughs> oh, you're not Catholic. Oh, okay. I didn't give the proper sign. So we get to the Lord's Prayer. Me and my buddy, we stand up. We're, we're just so excited to say the Lord's Prayer, right? So, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And we're, our voices are getting louder because we're like, we know this part. We're confident. But we didn't know they didn't say the doxology, this last part of it. So, we get to the last part. Everybody else sits down and we're like, for thine is the kingdom and the... P-. Oh, we don't say that part. <laughs> say that part. Okay. So, we moved on. It has a, a special place in my heart, this doxology. You know what I find interesting about the doxology as it's included in, in our prayer? Is that really it is the heart's response to everything that has preceded it. That the whole of the Lord's Prayer concludes for us in the doxology, doxology that is a declaration, an affirmation of everything we just ask God to do. We ask Him to bring His kingdom and to use His power for His glory. It's this reminder that it sets back into our heart why we are praying the way we are praying. It is the song of the heart that prays according to the Lord's prayer. And so we set our heart upon it. Many believe that the source of the doxology, this prayer, this this ending of the Lord's prayer, actually comes from the prayer of David in 1 Chronicles chapter 29. If you have your Bible, you can open it up or turn it on to 1 Chronicles 29. It will be on your screen. To set this up, David, at this point, the Lord has already communicated to him that he would not be the one to build the temple of God there in Jerusalem, that his son would do the building. But David, understanding who God is, took, it, it took that to heart and provided for the Lord's temple. And so just prior to this, the Lord, uh, David is saying to the Lord, I have set my affection on your temple, the very place of your presence. I have set my affection and my devotion there. Not only that, because of my devotion to you, 
I'm going to give all of this treasure and provide for the building of the temple that my son will do. And so David gave gold and silver and riches and treasure all for the building of the temple because of his devotion, his affection for the Lord. So we get to verse 11. And here's his prayer. He says, yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give thanks and praise to your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. David had his sights set on God's kingdom, not his own. This is the thing that makes David stand out to me in the scriptures. Because David, second king of Israel, knew who the true king was. And it wasn't him, and he knew that. His predecessor Saul thought he was the true king, but he wasn't. God was always the true king, and David knew that. You read through the stories of David, you understand his heart understood. He was never the true king. It was never his kingdom. It was always God. And and what an understanding of generosity and his earthly treasure. God, all of it's yours. It's all yours. So even when I give it back to you, it was yours in the beginning. And you have blessed me to allow Uh, Allow me to be generous in such a manner. Today, as we talk about setting our sights on God's kingdom and his power and his glory, perhaps for for you it's more of a reset. Maybe you've followed God for years. Maybe this is just a reset for you. But what a a great time of year in January to, to reset all things, to look back and reflect on the previous year and to now set our sights for the new year. That's why we've talked so much about the act of worship and prayer and the reading of of scripture because these are the things that are going to set our sights our affections the table of expectation the atmosphere all these things will help us and move us along and so the doxology starts with for yours is the kingdom for yours is the kingdom i don't know about you but when i was a kid i used to build my own kingdoms and perhaps you're familiar with how we used to build kingdoms we used to build kingdoms with legos so i I borrowed these from my son now his kingdoms now are built with new legos as well as what we shall call aged legos that come from my collection as a kid and and so when i was a kid anybody else do legos right so there's all these ones i'm gonna like build a spaceship no i won't do that this morning But when I built, it was building my kingdom. Because I could control it, I could tear it apart, I could do whatever I want with it. And look what I built. How awesome am I. And there wasn't nothing I I couldn't build. It was just limited to my imagination. And man, did I love Legos. Anybody else like like Legos? Kids, do you like Legos? Some of you, you're all nodding your head. I see your hand. Right. We like Legos. Kids, I'm so glad you join us on the fifth Sundays. You bring energy to us. Thank you so much. And mom and dad, can I just put you at ease? Your little kids, they're a little energetic this morning, and, and they got to whisper to you every three seconds about something inconsequential. It's okay. I may notice, but it's not going to distract me. We love having our kids with us. Uh, that's right. We love our kids. But when, when we say to God, 
yours is the kingdom. What are we, what are we saying? What are we declaring? We're declaring to God that he's all-knowing. The Bible word is omniscient. Can you say that out loud? Omniscient. He knows all. God is all-knowing. This is important because if it's his kingdom, isn't it uh, make sense that he knows everything? Right? Hey, kids, do you know your parents know everything? It's true. It's true. You think you can get away with something? Uh-uh. Nope. Don't sass me. Your mom knows. Your mom will know. Your dad will know. They will find out. They know all and see all. You're welcome, parents. But God is all-knowing. And, and something to understand as we, we look at the doxology is the word sovereign. God is sovereign over all. Not only does he know everything, he doesn't get his knowledge from anyone except himself. He is all-powerful, which we'll talk about in a second, meaning he doesn't get his power from somewhere. He doesn't use solar power or wind power. He just uses God power, and he's God. He's sovereign. He's self-sustaining and self-sufficient. That's important to understand as we walk through this. So God is all-knowing. And so when we pray, your kingdom come, we're saying, God, you're the master builder. Huh? Another Lego reference right there. You can build anything you want because you know all. There's, there's some modern thought about God's all-knowing power that he doesn't really know all. Because, and he can't know the future because you haven't made choices to determine that future. And some have fallen to this false teaching because of our limited ability to understand the future, we don't know what the future is going to hold. We don't know what choices we might make. We don't know where we might go to, to lunch. So God cannot know. And that's a pretty limited perspective of an all-powerful God. Here, here's what will bake your noodle. God not only knows what choices you could make or will make, he, he knows all the choices you could make. As much as God knows what I'm going to make, he knows an infinite possibilities of everything I could make. <laughs> Woo! That's a lot of knowledge. So whether you go right or left, God knows every fork of every road that will ever branch off from those choices. He's all-knowing. And I want to pray to a God who's all-knowing. Because I, when I pray to an all-knowing God... I want to know that if I make a silly, stupid request that's only going to bring me harm, I want him to know whether it's for my good to answer it or not. You ever seen the movie where everybody gets their answers prayers? They all prayed to win the lottery, and so they all split the million dollars, and they get $5. Like, if God answers all your prayers the way you want, he's not very wise. God is all-knowing. Listen to what A.W. Tozer writes in his book, The Knowledge of the Holy. You ready for this? Listen to this. God knows instantly and effortlessly all matter and all matters, all mind and every mind, all spirit and all spirits, all being and every being, all creaturehood and all creatures, every plurality and all pluralities, all law and every law, all relations, all causes, all thoughts, all mysteries, all enigmas, all feeling, all desires, every unuttered secret, all thrones and dominions, all personalities, all things visible and invisible in heaven and on earth, motion, space, time, life, death, good, evil, heaven, and hell. Because God knows all things perfectly. He knows nothing better than any other thing, but all things equally well. He never discovers anything. He is never surprised, never amazed. He never wonders about anything. God knows all. 
When Jesus stood before Pontius Pilate just before his crucifixion, Pontius Pilate said, so are, are you this king? And Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. The thing about God's kingdom is it's best viewed from the inside. It's from the inside that you actually begin to understand his kingdom. It's from the inside that you begin to grasp. That's why Jesus would say things like, he who has ears, let him hear. There's a generation that's ever seeing but never understanding. He, it's because they were outside of the kingdom and you can't, you can't understand God outside of his kingdom. So when we place our requests before God, we trust in his all-knowing nature that his kingdom is already present and is coming. We must trust his knowledge to answer according to his goodwill for us. What about the second part? Yours is the power. Is God all-powerful? Is God all-powerful? Does he have all power contained within himself? I, I think so. And so when we pray, yours is the power, we're declaring he can do anything, that nothing is impossible for him. I love what David writes in Psalm 93. The Lord reigns. He's robed in majesty. Indeed, the world is established firm and secure. Your throne was established long ago because he's powerful. The only limitation God has is his character. I have an atheist friend who used to ask me questions that he was hoping I couldn't answer. And so he would say, can God make a rock so big that he cannot lift it? Oh, I don't know. Oh, my goodness. What do I answer? But it came to me that God cannot act incongruent with his character. It's not only ridiculous to pose the question, but it's ridiculous that God would even entertain that thought. Because God's character is perfect and good. There is no impossibility for him. But God cannot do evil and cannot be limited in that regard. You know what is limited. This is important to understand. Evil has a ceiling. It may not seem like it at times, but evil has a ceiling. But love does not. The Bible tells me that my God is love. He is perfect in all of his ways. He is not limited by evil because he is love. Since God is all-powerful or omnipotent, omnipotent, he can do anything as easily as he can do anything else. All his acts are done without effort. He has unlimited strength. And so when we pray that, we pray, God, we know you can do these things. And it's important to understand the six petitions of the Lord's Prayer that we have just uttered truly requires us to believe that God is all-powerful. For how can you pray anything preceding that if you don't believe that God can answer it? Then it's just an effort in pious futility. If we don't believe God has the power to actually answer our prayers, then what are we doing? I think our prayers should bring a profound dependence upon that power because Jesus himself said in John 15, apart from me, you can do nothing. Again, in the scriptures, it would tell us that with man, things are impossible, but with God, nothing is impossible. God is all-powerful, and his power is made perfect in us, in our weakness, the Bible says. I like this picture. Take a look at this picture. A little girl rowing maybe with her grandpa. She's startled by her own power to move that oar through the water. 
Perhaps she thinks she's doing all the work. Look at me, Grandpa. Look at me rowing. And the kind, gentle face of a seasoned fisherman lets her think it's her power that's actually moving the oar. Isn't that how God operates with us? The very power that raised Christ from the dead that lives in the hearts of believers that's available to you and me is really his power. And we as as believers stand on his authority using his power. God lets us believe that. So when your temptation is to run to some other source of power, some other human being, some some drug, some, some, uh, some other thing, could you be drawn back to the power that's already living in you and his power? Because in the end, it's for his glory. That's the last part. God is my refuge, my strength, my strong tower, the power within me. And ultimately, it's because of his glory and for my good. And I think you have to believe that last part if you utter any prayer before it. That I believe that God knows all. He has the power to do all things. And in the end, it's for my good and for his glory. The presence of God is his glory. It's who he is. It's the physical manifestations of his presence is his glory. And it's also how we view him. Which is why when we sing, we give God the glory. We say wonderful things about him. We say, you're awesome. We believe you, you are majestic and powerful. You're beautiful. For guys, it's like, beautiful, what's that? But beautiful to me, like, like Mount Everest is beautiful. Like there's a, a strength, a beauty about God that can be replaced by no other. The evil for us is that we want that all for ourselves. We want our kingdom. Is our power, right? Because we think we have, we can do it all. We can build with our little hands. And it's for our glory. And yet the end of that prayer is to vanquish those thoughts and say, God, it's your kingdom. It's your power. It's for your glory. And I have to remind myself that my temptation is to be led to think it's my kingdom, not his. That's why we pray, lead me not into temptation. Lead me away from the temptation to think it's my power and my kingdom. And so when we pray, like John the Baptist prayed, I must decrease so that he can increase. Lord, let it be your kingdom. Let it be your power. And let it be for your glory. It ends with two other phrases I want to highlight real quickly. It says, forever and ever. You ever think about how long forever is? Kids, how long is forever? That's right. Smart kids. We raised them right. Forever is a long time. And when we say that, we say God has no beginning, no end. He's not limited by anything, time or space or motion or anything. And this is a picture of what heaven is like. Revelation tells us that The angels and the creatures and and the elders, they gather around the throne of God and they worship him forever, always declaring his glory, forever and forever. Lest you think it might get boring, I don't think it'll get boring. I think it'll be pleasure beyond your wildest imagination, better than Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. 
When you ascribe glory to God forever, as Matthew Henry commentates, it intimates an acknowledgement that is eternally due and an earnest desire to be eternally doing it with the angels and the saints. God, I want forever and ever it to be your kingdom, not just today, but tomorrow and the next day. We owe him because he's worth it. So is this going to be the best year ever? I'd like to believe for you that it would be. I'd like to believe for me and my family it will be because I want to take that Lord's Prayer. and I've been doing it in my own quiet time each day, hanging my prayers upon that frame, saying, Lord, I live for your kingdom and your power and your glory. And if you do that, you can't go wrong. Find moments each day to pray, to worship, to read the scriptures. And come back to it all by saying, God, it's your kingdom and it's your power. It's for your glory. And the last word, you know what the last word is in that? Anybody? Amen. You know what the word amen means? So be it. Can I reframe it just a little bit for you? When we as humans say to God, amen, it's laying our desire and request at him. So instead of just saying to God, so be it, we're saying, let it be so. Lord, all these things I've laid before you, would you let it be so according to your will, according to what you have deemed by your wisdom, by your power and for your glory and my good? Would you let it be so? We once again humble ourselves in that moment we say amen. Because I know what you're thinking. If someone's praying for the food and they don't say amen, what do you do? Are we are you done? You done? Amen? Okay. Right? It leaves you hanging. We did that last night. We were praying around the table, and one of our kids was closing in prayer and didn't say amen. We all went, done? Oh, okay, this is awkward. Okay, all right, we're done. When you say amen, you're just saying to God, let it be so. We trust your power and your glory and your wisdom. So we submit it again to you. You know what happens when God says Amen. God says amen, so be it. It is. It is done. It is finished. Let the Lord say over your prayers, the requests you lay before him, let him say to you, amen. Let your desires be so filled with his will that he looks at it and says, amen. So be it. Will you stand with me this morning? Would you live in the hope and the confidence of what we place before God, he can say amen to as we live for his kingdom, his power, and his glory? Because that's the place of victory. When we say amen, we understand there's already been a victory. And so it's from that confidence of faith that I can say amen to my prayers. And it's still that moment that all these things are realize at the end of my life, I just continue to lay him before the Lord, saying, let it be so. Amen. This morning, would you let me bless you? Church, would you let me pray over you? And maybe you'll join your heart with mine. My prayer this morning is we ask God to lead and guide us this year as a church collectively and individually in our families, in our jobs, in our community in mid-Missouri. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. And we realize that you dwell in a place that our minds can hardly conceive or imagine. 
you are set apart from anything we even know or comprehend or understand from this earth. You are hallowed, you're holy, you're set apart. And we want your kingdom to come and your will to be done. In these limited dimensions that we live, we want your all-knowing, unlimited, all-powerful glory and presence to reign in this place, that those dimensions would come into these limited dimensions. Would you give us those things that help us to live each day for you, but let us not forsake the very bread of life, Jesus himself. Would you forgive us as we forgive those who've harmed us? For certainly, Lord, we have harmed you in our selfishness at one time or another. And lead us, lead us through the temptations and the distractions of this world and guard us from the evil one who would find us unobservant of his schemes. For yours is the kingdom, Lord. It's your power which you bestowed on us to live for you. May it be for your glory and our good. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We love you, church. Hey, if you're going to go to El Salvador, you're thinking about El Salvador, would you stop into the venue here in the next couple minutes and talk with our, our team leaders, learn more about the trip? We would love for you to join us this year. Have a great week. God bless you. Hey, we're so glad you listened in. If you made a decision to follow Christ today or would like more information, please email us at nextsteps at c2church.com or visit us at c2church.com.